you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Hey guys, this is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast and I'm Roger. All I can say about my latest episode is wow. Each week I try to bring you really powerful content that will make a big impact on your business and this one certainly hits all the buttons there. I'm talking with Mr. Mark Locks of a company called Hot Operator and they are menu design experts. There is nothing more powerful for a marketing piece in your restaurant than your menu because every customer sees it. But there's such an art and a science that goes into truly great menu design that not only is aesthetically pleasing to the guest but it maximizes your sales in profits. Listen as we talk about not confusing food cost with profit, a key nugget of information right there alone. Why you shouldn't be afraid to put expensive menu items on a menu, okay? And how powerful it is to train your staff to know that menu inside and out as they so complement your new menu design. So if you do nothing else in this new year, do yourself a favor and design an all new menu for maximum profit. Listen on. Welcome back, everyone, to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, engaging topics that help restaurants build their brands, rock their profits, deliver amazing guest service experiences. Really excited today. I've got Mr. Mark Locks, and he's from a company called Hot Operator, and we're going to talk all about the importance of menu design. Welcome to the show, Mark. How are you today? Hey, Roger. I'm fantastic. Thanks for inviting me on. Well, this is great, and, and it's really great for me because it's not often that I get to work with people that I've worked with in the past, which is really awesome. And you and I actually worked together, it was probably, oh, six years ago, six, seven years ago, when we came to Hot Operator and we really wanted to design a really dynamic and powerful menu, and you were able to help us do that. And your process was really, really cool. So we'll get into a little of that in a moment. But first, why don't you tell me, because I never ask you this question, it's like, how did you get into the hospitality space? Did you work in restaurants before how did you recognize that you could you know improve restaurant operations and help other restaurants uh, achieve greater success sure okay well thanks for the introduction and um, so we got started in the uh, restaurant business working with anchor food products back before they were sold to McCain foods and when we started working with them they probably sold about a million dollars in sales and when they sold the business to McCain they were 550 million and we took all the uh, programs that we did with them to help restaurant operators grow their appetizer business and thought, could we actually use some of those programs for restaurants? And it turns out we could. We had invented a product called stuffed jalapeno poppers. I don't know if you recall. Oh, those. yeah, I absolutely yeah. do. Those were hugely popular. And, uh, you know, you still see them around on menus, but God, they were exploding across the country at one point. So that's probably the timeline you're talking about, right? Right. Back in the 90s. Of course. And. And so uh, they were hard to sell um, because they didn't bring a huge amount of profit to the restaurant operator. I mean, I feel really bad about that. But the fact was we were trying to find ways to sell those. So what we did is we uh, developed a menu program that used uh, information that we had found through uh, Cornell University and the University of uh, uh, Michigan State University on how to – uh, develop a menu that would promote particular items. And if you, uh, with Anchor Food Products, if you purchased stuffed jalapenos from them, you could get a free appetizer menu. And when we did that, stuffed jalapeno poppers sold about two and a half billion stuffed jalapeno poppers a year. It really worked extremely well. 
And so that's how we got into menu development. And my company is actually a marketing company, and we work exclusively with restaurants across the country. We work with restaurants um, in every state in the United States, and we develop thousands and thousands of menus. So I know a little something about that. How's that? Yeah, that's true. You know a thing or two because you've seen a thing or two and you've worked at it for a long, long time. <laughs> I have. That's, that's awesome. Right. Yeah, I'm just quoting that funny commercial, you know, for the insurance company. But it absolutely <laughs> is right. true in your case. So cool. Uh -huh. So, you know, like I said, we worked together years ago and, you know, at that prior to that time, we were making the mistake a long, long time ago when we first got into the business of designing our own menus, you know, and I thought I had the portion, the profit piece dialed, you know, I really did all the right steps to make sure that every item contributed a, you know, a similar, if not equal profit. And we didn't just look at our competitors down the street to see what they were offering, what they were charging. So we did some menu design and we worked with, you know, a lot of, of the food service suppliers with their graphics <coughs> departments and all that, but it just wasn't doing the job. We weren't pleased with the aesthetics. So we came across Hot Operator and we started working together. So Let's talk, let's put ourselves into a restaurant general manager's shoes or an owner operator. What's the most important thing that they should be thinking about in designing a new menu and scrapping what they might have now if they're looking for a new direction? Sure, that's a good question. Um, first of all, don't do it yourself. <laughs> it's really not a good idea. You know, you're a cook, you're a chef. Uh, you're a manager, uh, you're not a designer. Uh, we see this all the time. We'll get restaurant operators who will come to us. They'll go to a, you know, like a, a an online uh, must menu kind of thing, or they'll go and have their distributor do it. These people really are not looking at the best interest of the restaurant operator. They're, they're actually looking at uh, how do I sell the most stuff to the most people as quickly as possible. Um, one of the biggest mistakes that restaurant operators make is that they think, you know, uh, I know the best about my restaurant. I can make my own damn menu and I can save a couple of bucks. And, and that's um, what the truth is, is that our system is pretty complicated. We have restaurant uh, uh, menu designers that have worked in the restaurant industry for 30 years, 25 years. We've got writers who have done that. We've got menu engineers that have done that for, for that many years. They've seen a lot of menus and there's a lot of information that you just really don't have. The fact is you do know a lot about your own menu. But we work with lots of menus, and so what we're able to do is cross-pollinate. So we might see something in one menu, and that applies to another menu. We see something that works in one area, and we apply it someplace else. We see it works again. Maybe we do that 150 times, and we're like, you know, this is going to work for you. We really know that for sure. Um, the other thing I would say is start with a matrix. A lot of restaurant operators don't do that. So we break things down into four categories. That's the uh, a scatter graph essentially is what it is. We break things down into stars, puzzles, workhorses, and dogs. And that tells us what's going on in the restaurant. But it also tells us what is the consumer thinking when they go into the restaurant? What do they think of the restaurant? What do they think of the foods that are being served? What are popular items and which items make you more money? And finally, I would point out a lot of restaurant operators have been taught in the industry to focus a lot of their energy on food cost percentages, and we're not interested in percentages. You can't take a percentage to the bank. You can't go to the bank and say, "I'm going to take my 12% to the bank." <laughs> you, you got to take, you got to go to the bank with money. And what we want to do is get the most cash to the bank as we can. So if something makes you eight bucks uh, versus six bucks, I'd rather sell eight. I'd rather have the extra two bucks. And what I'll have a lot of restaurant operators say is, well, I want to sell both. You don't actually want to sell both because there's uh, something called share of stomach. 
there's only so much capacity in the human body to eat certain amounts of foods. And what they put in that body is going to have a huge impact on how much money you make. And so what we want to do is, is uh, when you get a butt in a chair, we want to make sure that you pay the rent and you, you take care of your business by making enough money off of it. And I always say this, if the food cost percentages in your business, the, the things that, that have the best food cost percentages are soups and salads or soup and soda. But if everybody came in and just ordered a cup of soup and a soda, you've got a business. You couldn't make it work on that. So you've got to sell things that actually make you cash to the bank. So that's what we focus on. I hope that answers your question. I kind of go off. So No, 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 no. You hit so many critical nuggets of information. So I'd like to dissect a little bit what you said. Let's first talk a little bit more about um, the profit piece. And you can't take a percentage to a bank because so often restaurant operators confuse, you know, food costs with profit. And the two are completely disparate in some cases. And like you said, you'd rather sell something for $8 profit versus a $6 profit, even though the $8 profit has a higher food cost so we want to make that clear because still operators are making that mistake so much but let's let's also go back to the matrix you were talking about if you could mm -hmm. define those different things the dogs and the stars and all that kind of stuff this is the meat of you know what I think I want to get out of this okay great well let's talk about that and product so, mix, uh, right? That fits in all of this. You got to figure out your product mix and what volume of sales and then categorize by profit what you're selling the most of. So take us there without me interrupting you further. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So what we typically do when we're starting with a restaurant operator is we take um, about a, a picture of a six-month period, uh, the last six months of sales. So what we're looking for is a P-mix or a product velocity report from your restaurant. And that shows you just what you sold. And... The way we like that set up is uh, based on the actual items that you sold. So, you know, take your menu. If you've got burger and fries, I want to see burger and fries. Uh, a lot of times restaurant operators, they'll put in these little cute little codes and all that stuff, and they'll hand me this big, huge amount of data, and I have no idea what half that stuff is. So if you can put it in categories, that's the best way to start. And what we're looking for is how much velocity does a particular item have? The other thing we're looking for is theoretic food costs. The reason we call it theoretic food costs is because you don't know exactly how much everything costs. I mean, Timmy might be back there giving too many fries or a, you know, a, an extra this or an extra that. So um, those things will fluctuate. But we kind of need to know how much did it cost you to put a particular item on the table. Absolutely right. So, so we're looking at those two things. The, uh, and then we need a copy of the menu. So we need to know what your selling price is. Because what the scatter graph does is it takes the uh, essentially the margin in the product and how often it sells, and it makes it go across certain thresholds. In other words, uh, a star item, so a star is an item that has both high profit and high volume. So those are things that sell really well, and they make you good money. Those are going to wind up in the upper right-hand corner of the matrix. Uh, products that are puzzles, those are items that don't sell very well, but they do make you a lot of money. Those things, we call them puzzles because we wonder, how can we sell more of these? Or is this right for our product? Or should we even be selling it at all? They're not moving fast enough, but they make good money when they do. And when I say good money, they bring extra dollars to the bank. It's not about the percentages again. It's about how much money you make. The workhorses or cash cows, those are items that most restaurant operators make most of their money on, sadly. But they don't make a lot of money every time they sell it. That's like a cheeseburger at McDonald's. They sell a lot of those. They don't make a ton of money on those. So those are cash cows that move fast, don't make you a lot of money. And then dogs, you know, you put those back in the ground where you found them. They're not doing anybody any good. You're not selling a lot of them. And when you do sell them, you're not making much money. So we break things down into those four categories so we can see what the brand looks like. And when I talk about brands and restaurants, the brand is essentially that's the um, – it's sort of the 
uh, I like to say it's like the, the glow around the business. It's sort of the combination of the service, the food, the, the attraction, the excitement. And you got to keep in mind when a restaurant, when a patron goes into a restaurant, they're looking for an idea of what they want to eat. In other words, they pick your restaurant because they kind of know what the food's like and they send a, tend to gravitate towards certain things. We need to know what those are. A couple of things we want to do when we break these things down. Number one is we want to know where those uh, workhorses are because we want to put other things around them that if we can draw attention to them and get them to sell more, you'll make an extra buck. And if that happens four, five, six hundred times a week, you make four, five, six hundred dollars extra a week. That's good cash to the bank. Um, without the matrix, it's, it's it's impossible to know what's going on in your restaurant. You've got this focus group going on. Everybody is voting with their pocketbook and their feet when they come to your restaurant. They're deciding whether they're going to eat there. And when they do, they're deciding what they're going to eat. I need to see what that looks like. Um, and that tells me really quickly how you're doing as a restaurant and how and how I can improve your business. Then the second thing we look at is the demographics and the psychographics of the area. So we might look at um, the government's uh, – one of the things the government does, not now because it's shut down, but most often they right. do it. Yeah. Most often they take really good care of looking after what the demographics in the area is. So uh, how much money do people make? How many people are there? What are their races? What do they do? Uh, how far do they commute? Those kinds of – that kind of information. The government reports all this stuff. We look at that to see – um, are you in a bedroom community? Are you going to have better dinner? Are you going to have better lunch? Uh, how, what's the traffic look like? Uh, is there construction in your market? What's happening? How many other restaurants are there? And then we look at what's going on in social media. So we, we look at Yelp. We, Yelp is kind of a bitch fest, you know, so we don't pay a lot of attention to Yelp, but we do look there. Uh, we look at TripAdvisor. We look at Facebook. We look at Instagram. We look and see what people are saying about you. What do the reviews say? And then we look to see well, how is your answer? What kind of answer are you giving? Sometimes when I see somebody who's kind of a jerk on social media to their customers, I won't work with them because I'm like, you know, <laughs> you're not going to be around very long. But but what I'm looking for is what are they what are they saying they love, and what are they saying they don't like about the restaurant? So I get a picture of what's happening in the restaurant. The menu itself can bring between seven and twelve percent to the bottom line in a restaurant. It can actually make you a crap ton more money than you're making. But I can't do that unless I know what's going on in the restaurant at the moment, right? So, so the menu is a major that. marketing tool, perhaps the biggest marketing tool that's underutilized yeah. in a lot of cases. And there's a real art and science that you're putting behind every individual menu. And it's also based on what you said earlier about best practices, things that have worked, similar concepts. This really moves at that restaurant. It'll probably move at this restaurant. Let me ask you a question, Mark. Years ago, there was this philosophy, and I wonder if it's still true, about where when a customer first picks up a menu, where their eye is drawn to naturally. Are there still sort of, you know, these quadrants where the first thing they do is look in the upper right and then the lower left corner, and then they go up to the, you know, tell, is that still real? Does that still yeah. happen? No, it does because there's still people. Yeah, people haven't changed, so they still okay. do that. However, I have to say that um, as a menu designer, we can manipulate how people, how their eye flow around a menu just by calling attention to certain things, using photography, using highlights, uh, where we position things on the menu. That can have a big impact on uh, how your eye flows around the menu. And I actually I just had a conversation with a customer the other day, and he was saying, well, you set your my menu up, and I, I've had people comment, like, this is so weird, it's so different, you know, I'm... Um, and he, he was like, we've got to change this back to the way it was. And I said, well, let's take a look, though. Hold on, sport. Let's take a look and see how things are going in your restaurant. And he said, well, you know, I'm selling more appetizers. Where you put them, it's working. And I'm like, so 
So they're telling you that you changed it and they feel weird about it, but they're buying more appetizers. He goes, yeah. And I said, so, and you want to change it back? Oh, I didn't think of it that way. I'm like, of course you didn't think of it that way. But the fact is, where we position something on a menu or how we set the menu up can have a huge impact on how people look at a menu, how they feel about the menu. And we want to make them a little uncomfortable, not uncomfortable from the standpoint that they're like, oh, I hate this, I'm just going to leave. But we want them to get a look at things that they maybe haven't looked at before. Uh, a lot of times when we develop a menu, we'll have customers who will say to the restaurant operator, I didn't know you had this. Like, I, I never even saw that before. And it's because we called attention to it, and that particular item might make them an extra couple bucks, and it's cool, right? I mean, that's, that's what we do. We try to manipulate where your eye lands on a menu and how your eye flows on a menu. We certain things we want to sell over others. We position them, and we highlight them, and we call attention to them to get people to look at them. And beyond that, then we also, we encourage you to have your servers point those items out. I mean, when it comes right down to it, if, if we highlight something on your menu, uh, if somebody comes into the restaurant and says, what's good to eat here, point to a highlight. That's why we did that. We want you to say that. We want you to say that particular item. Make sense? Yeah. Let's talk about highlights. Have boxes or highlights or icons proven to work better or does it vary based on the brand and the concept and the theme and all that or even words like most popular uh, customer favorites best sellers whatever you want to say I mean there's different ways of highlighting or pointing attention to certain items that you want to move has anything right. proven to work better or a combination of yeah. all those is that crazy what would you suggest no it's not crazy what I'm suggesting <laughs> is this I learned the hard way yeah. what works for highlights and the reason it happened is I had this really lovely customer down in Chicago they got about um, I think we got about 20 restaurants and we developed a menu for them we put these highlights on and we said yeah these are gonna work this is great this is terrific I got a call from him about a week and a half later he goes this is not working. These highlights are not working at all. I'm like, they, they got to be working. I mean, I highlight them just like you'd highlight a, a, a book, right? I took, we put yellow blotches on things and we put call attention. We had all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And what we discovered is uh, two things. Number one, we had done the highlights incorrectly. This is years ago. And so we actually did a study with this particular restaurant on, and to find out what works for a highlight. And as it turns out, there is one, essentially one crafted way to highlight a menu, and that's to have a background color, like a tan, light brown, um, and then to have the highlights be lighter or whiter. So in other words, a box around an item that actually turns to white or a brighter, lighter color, make it easier to read, but also calls more attention to that item. And thirdly, you have to get your servers on board with the highlights, because I can't one of the things a menu can't do is outsell a restaurant uh, uh, waitstaff person. If the waitstaff person, if you say to somebody, hey, uh, how about this uh, bacon cheeseburger or the rodeo burger, whatever it is because it's highlighted, and the server goes, nah, I wouldn't eat that. <laughs> You're never going to sell it. So you got to get the you got to get your staff on board with the highlights. So I always tell people when you develop this new menu, when you show it to the servers, point out the highlights and say, these are the items we want to sell. I don't care if you like them or not. All you need to say is, you know, they're really popular. People like them and move on, right? So, uh, but highlights do work. Calling attention does work. It, uh, what we typically do with highlights and calling attention, like uh, saying the bestseller, those kinds of things, really popular. On a uh, menu that's like a family style restaurant or a casual theme restaurant or something, that'll work um, in some instances. You gotta be more creative than that. Say something funny or fun or something interesting. Be clever mm -hmm. uh, when you do it. 
but on a more upscale restaurant, you don't want to do that. I mean, because that's just going to, I mean, people are not expecting that. At a, you know, if you go to a, a nice restaurant and you're, you're ordering an $80 steak, don't be saying, oh, this is really popular. I mean, that's just going to piss people off. They're going to be like, what are you, like a, a, a Denny's? I mean, what is that, right? Yeah, so that's... Use that. Yeah, that's, uh, but you probably see that too. I mean, it seems like common sense in, in talking about it and based on the price point of the restaurant and the theme and the vibe and, you know, is it a five-star fine dining chef-owned restaurant? Is it a family casual place? I mean, you get everything in between, I'm sure. We do. Yeah. yeah. And what we typically find is, um, especially with chefs, when we work with chefs, they, they tend to not want to highlight anything. They'll say something like, well, everything's on, everything on the menu is good. I wouldn't put it on the menu if it wasn't good. I'm like, yeah, well, that's true, but some things are better. And if it makes you an extra couple bucks, that's better, right? Well, you know, that's interesting because chefs obviously are very close to what they do. They're very passionate people. And like you said, everything on the menu is good, and, and I wouldn't put it on there if it wasn't great. Are you seeing when, when with chef-owned restaurants at all that there's a huge spread of difference category by category in the profits, like the $8 profit versus the $6 profit? Or do a lot of them really have that dialed because they should? What do you see yeah. there? You think they would, but they don't. I and know. They're that's what I see, always, too. Yeah, they're almost always surprised. What they'll say is, and this is kind of a fun conversation I'll have. I'll have a conversation with them, and they'll say, I, I already did the matrix. I already know what I'm talking about. I've done this. I, I took this in culinary school. I know exactly what I'm doing. And then we'll go, all right, well, let's take a look. And I'll ask them before, you know, what, how is this? Is it selling pretty well? Oh, yeah, yeah, this is great. I see this good all the time. I see it all the time. And so we'll do the matrix, and I'll be going through it with them, and they'll be like, oh, I had no idea that wasn't selling. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's not, is it? And it's then we'll simple get into data. It. Right? It it's is. right there. Yeah. A POS, any POS is going to print out the PMIX report. And if you've done your homework and you've costed out every menu, it's so simple to say, you know, I sold 3,000 of these in the last month or two. I sold 5,000 right. of these. This one kicked in the $8 profit. That one kicked in the 6 And you can really dial in the profit of a menu based on what's popular and, and, and make those tweaks, you know, either up the price exactly. or manipulate the ingredients <laughs> or the portion sizes. And all this right. is lost on so many operators that I work with. So you and I are on the same page with that yeah uh, you triggered another thought is, oh go ahead the Mark. Other, the I'll other bring thing this up. Though, you got to be careful with this yeah. too is uh, a lot of a lot of uh culinary guys they'll think this is an art form for me this is my art this is my life you know and then i think it's well true. it's a business it's a business and you you are entitled to a profit and you got to pay attention to that and it's really what a consumer is willing to pay for something so what the market will bear is what we're looking for yeah, you keep it does because you know I've been in that position before. You know, I've actually hired a couple of chefs early, early when I started my restaurants, and they looked at my restaurant more as an art gallery than a production factory. We had a high volume right. place. We had three hundred seats. It was huge. And they're putting 12-year-age cheddar on the burgers, you know? And I'm like, there go the food costs. I'm like, wait a minute. So that triggered the whole thought about let's yeah. really dive in. You know, right. I started in this business with no restaurant experience. So I had to learn the school of hard knocks. And those are just some of my stories. But a minute ago, we were talking about the service staff, right? And and they're not if they don't recommend something or no, don't order that even though you highlighted it. And that goes back to the importance of training because we can have the most powerful, dynamic and profitable menu in the world, but the service staff could totally sabotage that. 
You know, I got a story to tell you really quickly. When I was starting my place 20 plus years ago, I saw a sandwich board sign on the side of the road and it said wood fired pizza now serving. And that's that was the very first concept that I started was a wood fired pizzeria. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to check it out. You know, I might learn something. And I walked in and I actually had a host that gave me a menu and pointed me across the room and said, see that table over there? It's yours. He didn't even walk me to the table. So all these impressions are being formed. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, mental note, don't do that. The importance of training, you know, great customer service is a competitive advantage. But the kicker is this. I'm sitting there watching wait staff and personnel pass me by on the left and the right. Nobody's making eye contact with me. I had plenty of time to look at the menu. So there's 10 or 12 specialty pizzas on the menu. You know, this one had, you know, prosciutto and pineapple and all that kind of stuff. And they all sounded pretty good. So when the server finally got around to to coming to my table to serve me, I asked her for her recommendation. And you know what she said, Mark? She looked me in the eye and she said, I can't recommend the pizzas. I don't eat them. They're too expensive. Nice. I'm like, like, whoa, (laughs) I just about, oh. So, so, you know, what the staff say and do can absolutely sabotage your business. So the importance of training in conjunction with a really powerful menu, and then suddenly you'll set the world on fire, and that's a competitive advantage. Let's, Let's back up a second. We were talking about highlighting. Now, here's a critical piece pricing strategy and font and size of the font and do you put dollar signs and you do crazy numbers like 996 or 1023 or what have you seen or what's really working now with pricing yeah okay so a couple of things on that uh number one where you put the prices and by the way never use a dollar sign dollar signs just make people angry they they feel this little subconscious yep. uh uh, feel of nervousness when they see a dollar sign. They know they're spending money. The only time you'd want to do that is if uh, people are coming in and trying to use Canadian or they're trying to use Mexican money or if you're trying to use you know, some other brand of, of dollar. In the United States, it never happens. Just to, just take them off. Secondly, do not do a price list. If you're doing a price list, just take the menu off the, off the table and tuck those prices into the paragraph of text. A lot of chefs, a lot of uh, restaurant operators, they like to just put the name of the product and then a price next to it, and or they'll put like just little strips of uh, of uh, ingredients, and then they'll put the price really big next to the uh, next to the name of the product. When you do that, what you're doing is you're telling people to buy you on price. And what consumers do is they look at the highest number, the lowest number, they go about two thirds of the way to that high number, and that's where they hover. And they will kill you with that every time. So just, you know, don't line up the prices. Tuck them in. Don't make it impossible to find the price, but don't make it about price. Now, uh, whole dollars versus using price points. There are certain price points that matter to a consumer and that change behavior. And those are the only things we're really terribly concerned about. So if I raise the price on something, let's say it's I want to get 10 bucks for something. If I go 9.99 it's going to sell better than if I say 10 bucks. A lot of restaurant owners go I'll just put it on for 10 bucks and they'll think well that's just a whole dollar and it's fine. And I I see that a lot happening now. But the the problem with that is is I've already started an argument with my customer at $10. In other words, the moment I go to 10 bucks on that item rather than 9.99, that one penny is going to start an argument. Some customers are not going to pay 10 bucks for one freaking penny. So if I'm going to have the argument, I may as well go to $10.49. Essentially, I'm leaving $0.49 cents on the table mm-hmm. because I started a freaking argument for a freaking penny. Sure. Why would I do that? It sure. doesn't make any sense to me to do that. So yeah. 
what we typically do is we look at strategic price points. Now, the other thing you got to keep in mind is if you're not getting any pushback at all on prices on your menu, you're not doing it right. There should be some complaint. I'm not saying people are leaving because your price too high, but I am saying they're saying, well, you're, you're, you're not afraid to charge, are you? We're having a conversation, right? And then I can say, yeah, what can I get you? <laughs> because they're still here. They're still buying from me. So you got to price your points high enough so you can make a profit on the item. Now, as far as putting the uh, prices um, in the right categories and doing those kinds of things, what we find is a lot of restaurant operators do the wrong thing. Like an appetizers should be priced low enough so that they can be incremental, so that they can add to the check, the check total. My food cost on those could be 50%. I don't really care because it's an extra couple bucks that go to the bank as long as those appetizers are not being sold as entrees. So if you've got like, I'll see this a lot, people put sliders on the, in the appetizer. I don't know why they do that. It's not an appetizer. People don't buy sliders and then buy a burger. It's never going to happen. What they do is then they're buying that appetizer as an entree. Now that appetizer has to compete with the entree, so now i got to price point it too high. Does that make sense to you? It do you does. Understand what that? It absolutely so, does. So price points need to, yeah. uh, they, they need to understand what the item is that you're selling. And then one final thing, and this is really important. We do something called mental anchoring here. We're big proponents of it. We're probably one of the only marketing companies that does this. We came across some information from American Demographics Magazine a number of years ago. And what they discovered is there's one time in your life you're most likely to spend the most money at a restaurant. And that's the day you buy your house or you sign in your house. And the thinking in the mind of the consumer is, I just went 300 grand in debt. What's 100 bucks? Right? They're comparing what you're buying on a menu to a freaking house. Oh, right? Good. I see that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we, uh -huh. what we've done is we've done some experiments with different metal anchor points. And we just did one for a company. Uh, they're a barbecue company. And we did a double wide salad. So it's a salad that comes with a double wide. Because of barbecue, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. It's a white trash kind of thing. It's called the white trash salad. And it's $80,000. And what happens is the consumer, looks, they look at it, they giggle, right? And they're yes, like, that's, that's so funny. funny event. Yes. But then they look at the, the half rack of ribs for 21 bucks, And they're like, God, that seems cheap by comparison. And it works. And I'll have restaurant operators go, I'm not going to do that. That's so kitschy. I'm like, but it works. Why wouldn't you do it? It works. I love that idea. I think that's yeah. great. I think you should look at that if you've got the right kind of place. I mean, that makes sense, right? And, and it any, pokes a little fun at your of, place. Any kind of place. That's awesome. If, just make it fit the place. As yeah, an example, yeah. if, you're, if you're a Manny Steakhouse, uh -huh. put a diamond-encrusted tenderloin on the menu, right? And it's, we roll it in diamonds. It's not something you're going to eat, but it's, you know, $180,000 or something. I don't care. Just make sure that if you do it, you can make one and sell it because somebody might buy it. <laughs> and you want to make sure you make a profit on it. I was going to bring that up, right? You got to, right? Because if someone calls you on it, it can't suddenly be a joke. No, this is a real thing, you know? Yeah, you got to be really careful, too. We had uh, There was a Gibson's restaurant that used to be a car dealership. We did this uh, with him. He had a... He had the front of a 1957 Chevy. It was the bumper and the front grill and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. yep. He had it hanging on his wall. And so we put it on the menu. And we said, oh, you could buy that you know, for 25000 bucks." Well, what happened is the 57 Chevy became pretty popular and it got to be real expensive. Sure. And he had, he had a half a dozen people say, I'll buy it because it was worth it, right? So make sure when you do it that you put it on there high enough that you know, people go, oh, yeah, well, I'm not going to do that. But also uh, you're, putting, you're trying to put a price point comparison on the menu. Thirdly, if something's not selling, the hardest thing to sell in a restaurant is the most expensive item on the menu. That's the hardest thing to sell. Every restaurant is going to have the slowest seller is going to be the most expensive thing. So like the steak and lobster, 
uh, at you know 80 bucks or whatever, that's going to be tough to sell. Don't take that item off the menu just because it's not selling very well. And the reason I say that is because you'll have a downward spiral. What will happen is, I'll see this all the time. Restaurant offers come to me and they'll say, well, I have this item. It's you know, 32 bucks. I'm not selling it. I'm going to take it off the menu. It's not selling. So I take it off. Now, the next highest item is 27. Guess what happens? 27 doesn't sell. Brings then everything else down. Exactly. Mm. Six months later, they come back and they go, I can't sell that to save my life. I'm taking it off the menu. Now they got 24 is the highest price point. They come back to me six months later and they're like, oh, it's 24, it's too high, I can't take, I can't sell it. Next thing you know, they can't sell something for 10 bucks. They can't save, sell anything to save their lives. And they're competing with McDonald's, it's horrible. You can never win that battle. Leave the expensive item on the menu. If you're worried about the product, make sure there's multiple ways you can use the product. Let's say it's a tenderloin or something like that that you're worried about. Right, so you're not wasting um, it. Hmm. Exactly, so that you don't waste it. Use it or or discount it. You know, make it a special chef special one day and sell it for a little bit less and get rid of it or turn the to turn the inventory. But leave that price point on the menu. It's really important. And then find something. If your highest price point is thirty bucks, find something you can sell for sixty bucks and it makes sense. Does that make sense? Even it if it's does. a double order, you know, for here take the tenderloin for two and put it on the menu for one hundred and sixty bucks. I don't have a problem with that at all. I'm just saying, you know, make sure that there's always something a little more money than the highest thing you want to sell. Make sense? It does. Well, that strategy also carries through to a wine list, wouldn't you say? You know, have a couple of higher price point bottles of wine there that sort of elevate Absolutely. the lower priced ones that still give you a really great profit. I mean, I know Absolutely. we did that for years as well. So don't just right. focus on the food. Focus on the whole menu. Or if you have separate menus, do that with every different – a dessert list. Same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, desserts are, and desserts are hard to sell. And one of the things that a lot of restaurant operators, the mistake they make with desserts is they, they sell it too late. I, have you ever had this happen? A, a server walks up to your, you just finished eating, you're, you're just full. I mean, you're, you know, wheel me out in a wheelbarrow because I'm so full I can barely stand it. And she'll walk up and she'll say, oh, you, you save any room for dessert? <laughs> no. Yes. Are you freaking kidding? I ate like a freaking pig. You're going to me dessert? Where they, she should have done it was, when you drop the menus off, you take the dinner order and you, before the appetizer or any food get there, you got to get down all conspiratorial, really close to the table and say, I just saw a peach cobbler come out of the oven. It looked fantastic. Should I put one aside for you so there's one ready for you when you're ready? Now, I'm hungry, right? And I'm thinking, yes. peach cobbler, yes. that sounds great. And I go, sure. Now what happens is, at the end of the meal, she doesn't have to ask me that stupid question, did I save room for dessert? They go, hey, uh, you want me to Put that peach cobbler in a container. You can take it home with you. And then I can turn the table uh -huh. or bring it to the table. I already ordered it. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I can't remember. I forgot I'd done that. You see what I'm saying? So when you order dessert, when you offer dessert, it needs to be early in the process. So take the dinner order. Take the appetizer order. Bring the drinks. When you bring the drinks, get real conspiratorial and say, I just saw a piece of cheesecake with your name on it. Can I get you one? Let me put it on the menu for you See, so it's ready when you are. You are speaking my language, Mark, because now we're talking further about server training and approach. And mo I can't tell you how many times I eat out in different restaurants across the country. I'm sure this happens to you nine times out of ten. Doesn't matter where I am. We're talking about I get an order taker, friendly, personable person. Take the order, you know, bring the food, deliver the check, that kind of thing. Ordinary experiences. But now you're talking about assuming the sale, planting the seed, making something sound so good, you know, they can see it, smell it, and taste it before it comes out of the kitchen, before they've even eaten an entree. And now, yeah, I've got to have that. Put one aside for me. And that's a completely different. 
approach, but that's going to raise the check average, and that is a great strategy. So I'm really glad you brought right. that up too. Okay. You Back talked about menus. all right. You talked about anchoring a minute ago, but there's also yeah. an acronym that you use. I think it's FAN. Do you want to walk us through that? Yeah. Okay. So. When we develop a menu, we use something called FAN, so positioning, highlighting, anchors, and numbers. So uh, positioning is where something goes on a menu, has a huge impact on how well it's going to sell. We just talked about that before. That's where I place it, what the eye flow chart, those kinds of things. That kind of thing has a huge impact on how well something's going to sell. But also, <clears throat> positioning just in a category of items. You know, a lot of times you'll see like a list of appetizers or sandwiches, items in the middle of the category are going to sell slower than items on the outside edges. So what we typically do is items that are uh, workhorses or plow horses in the restaurant, we'll put those in the middle of a category. Items that are puzzles or stars, we'll put on the outside edges because we want to get more attention to those because they make you more money. Does that make sense? It do you does. Understand where I'm going with yep. that? I'm following so, you so far. Highlighting. Highlighting has to do with the items that we actually want to call attention to. When a consumer walks into the restaurant, they are thinking, what's good to eat here? And the one person they want to tell them the answer to that is the person at the restaurant. They want the server. They want the, the chef. They want the manager, someone to tell them what to order. That's a huge amount of power. And we want to make sure that we highlight the items that actually will bring a higher profit and also are good items. So it's got to be a product that sells well, but it also has to be a product that can make you more money. What I always say is if we highlight an item and it sucks, we're going to kill it quicker. In other words, people are going to try it. They're going to hate it. And suddenly it won't sell at all because we'll call attention to it. The, um, so that's positioning, that's highlighting. Mental anchoring we just talked about, that's having higher items on a menu, arbitrarily higher items on a menu. It's called mental focalism uh, if you're a marketer. And that essentially gets people to spiral upwards so that they're willing to spend a little more money in the restaurant. And then the strategic pricing uh, is uh, the next part of that. And that is looking at each item and looking for the sweet spot for that particular item. <clears throat> so what we're always trying to do is find the absolute highest point we can get to for the price that's not going to piss everybody off and they won't come back. Like the worst thing you can do is out, you know, price yourself out of market. If, if, you've, if you're selling a, a burger for 10 bucks, I'm not going to get 20 for it. I mean, I'm just not going to be able to do that. Who, who pays $20 for a hamburger unless you're going to a, you know, a big steak joint or something like that? And even there, you're going to get a lot of balk from that, right? But can I get 11? Or can I get 11.99? We have to look at that and see what's going to happen if I if I push this price up a little bit. Now, if I look at the volume in a restaurant, one of the things you got to keep in mind when you're changing prices in a menu, every time I go up in price, I will lose some volume. That's going to happen. That is a law of marketing. There's nothing you can do to change that. However, I can always tweak it up a little bit. Right. There's always a place I might be able to go with a particular item. So I'm looking for the items in the matrix to see, like, am I, am I way underpriced on something? If it's really selling catastrophically fast and there's a lot of volume around an item, I may be able to edge it up a little bit. You know, add in a 50 cents or add a quarter or add, add 49 cents. Now, if I'm using whole dollars, and this is where I get to with that whole dollar thing, if you're, unless you're making a killing on the restaurant, I mean, if you're selling an $80 steak, who cares? 99 cents, no one cares. But if right. I'm selling a, a burger for $10 even, if I can get 10.49 for it, I'm way better off because in my restaurant that 49 cents means a lot to me. Does that make sense to you? So that's strategic yes, it pricing. Does. Right. We'll go through the menu with you and we'll help you. One of the things I found with restaurant operators is they tend to be nervous about raising the prices and they oftentimes have low self-esteem when it comes to pricing their menu. They just don't think their stuff's worth what it really is. 
And so I encourage them. A lot of it's just psychological help. I become their counselor. I'm going, look, I think this is worth it. Give it a shot. You know, I think you'll make it. You'll be all right. And they'll usually come back to me. I'll have sometimes they'll come back and they'll be, oh, yeah, I'm getting killed. Usually what they'll say is, you know, I had a few people munching it, but mostly it's been good. And, you know, you want to have something for retirement, right, Roger? But oh, absolutely! But I mean, costs are rising in restaurants every single day, and, and you know, the, oh, so therefore yeah. you got to keep your pricing in line so that you're not, con you know, compromising your profit margin. Because right, right now you might be making a really solid profit margin, then all of a sudden your liability insurance just went up huge. Your mortgage, whatever it is, you know, it's like things happen, right? The unexpected, whatever. Oh, yeah. That equipment breaks down. It's like whatever it is, you gotta at least maintain your margins. And right. but you're right, a lot of operators are really afraid about raising the price because they think they're gonna lose all their customers. And they're now we're talking about the sweet spot. You know, what the market will bear. You don't want to lose volume even though you're raising price, even though that's a law of economics. It's like, God, you got to find that balance. Right. Let's talk about upsells and add-ons and all these things. Do you recommend that people put, like the, the, if you've got a few different salads, I mean, are we still seeing it where people are saying chicken, shrimp, scallops, steak, add that to your Caesar salad for X and such? And how do we position that on a menu? Is that still a good idea? Do you give people a choice of a protein with their salad? If they don't want it, that's called breakage or cheese, like feta cheese, blue cheese, goat cheese, whatever, as an add-on. I mean, that's just one example. Yeah. You know, so what do you like think about that? Yeah. Okay, so we like we like bookends. Those are appetizers and desserts. Uh -huh. uh, we like sides a great deal. So adding really cool sides that are at a premium, those are excellent on a restaurant. All of those things are incremental sales. So in other words, price point those things so that you can sell a lot of them so that the consumer sees a lot of value there. Now, when I talk about value, I want to point something out. When I'm talking about value, what I'm looking for is that the price and function or the price and the function of the item itself are as close together as possible. So as an example, if we were going to buy a car together and I said, I got a 1974 Ford Pinto for sale, <clears throat> you know, $38,000, you'd be like, there's no way. It does, the function doesn't match the price. A Ford Pinto is a piece of crap. I could even say it's never been in a fire and you'd still be like, I'm not buying it. Now, if I said a Ford Pinto, $200, you'd say, oh yeah, that makes sense to me. I'm not gonna buy it anyway because I don't like Ford Pintos, but you understand where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. The function and the price are together. They're really close together. So what you're talking about is adding on things to the menu. So we do see a lot of salads having add-ons and we like that. We like to add shrimp, we like to add chicken, we like to add those things to salads. As long as the salad can compete with another uh, whole muscle product on the menu. In other words, if I buy a salad and I add protein to it and that becomes my meal, yeah. is that gonna be a step down from right. some other product like the kitchen cacciatore or mm -hmm. the shrimps or some other product? So we always take that in consideration. If that's gonna be the problem, then we either have to price point the salad to compete so I can make money on it, or we don't do it. Does that make sense to you? It does, and we're getting back to that whole profit contribution versus food cost thing and does it make sense can it compete will it you know uh sell in good enough volume and still not lose you a profit versus selling another entree so all that is part of the strategy so it totally right. does right let me so throw you okay go oh, ahead here's before a, here's an example i had a restaurant operator call me uh, we developed his menu for him he had a chef uh, that worked there that started after the restaurant was launched and he came in and he, it's a steak restaurant, it's a steak joint, uh, doing a really good job. He's selling ribeyes like crazy. It's, it's going really well. He's on, he's on target to be about a three, three and a half million dollar restaurant. It's doing really great. Chef comes in and he goes, oh yeah, I, I want to put a chicken fried steak on the menu. 17 bucks. I'm like, 
Now, hold on there, sport. Where are we going with this? If you put that on the menu, you've got a $28 ribeye. You know, well, yeah, but the food cost is going to be real low on this. I'm like, well, yeah, but even if you got a low food cost, on the $27 ribeye, you're making like 19 bucks. Mm-hmm. Thank if you. you put a, if you put a, a chicken fried steak on your freaking menu for 17, how do you make 19? Well, I don't have to make 19. I'm like, what do you mean I don't have to make 19? He goes, well, I only I only have a you know 28% food cost on this item. I don't have to make 18. I'm like 19. I said, yes, you do, because you're competing. Some of that volume from that that lovely steak you're selling is going to go to that chicken fried steak. And I said, when you do that, you're going to start tumbling downward. So just be Correct. really careful with that. Does that make sense? It does. And that's when you can have a busy restaurant and you're wondering why your bank account's not growing because you're right. selling lower profit items <laughs> that are more popular than your higher profit items and they're cannibalizing exactly. the sales of the most profitable stuff. Hello. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. There's the curveball. You were going to throw me a curve. Okay, so here's the curveball, and this is coming out of left field. Do you ever recommend putting photographs of the food in a menu, depending on the concept? Let's talk about that. Yeah, I do. Um, I only do, though, if the, if the photograph looks really good. In yeah. other words, I always say, look, if, if it looks good enough to eat, then put it on the menu. If it doesn't, then don't. If it's an item uh, that will make you a good profit that you want to sell a lot of, put a photo on the menu. If it's not, then don't. Um, so keep it in context. Items that have really nice photos are going to sell better. They will, you will increase sales of those items. So yes, a lot of more upscale restaurants don't like it. They think, I don't want to look like Applebee's. Well, you know, yes. maybe you don't. That's yes. fine. Right. We though, from our designers are really clever and they're really excellent designers. They can take a photograph and introduce it. I swear to God, you could be the pump room and I could put a photograph on your menu and it would help your restaurant and it would look like the pump room. It would not look like Applebee's. I swear to God that'll happen because we're not designing Applebee's menu, which is not a bad menu. I mean, I'm not saying it that way. I'm just saying we're designing a menu for the particular restaurant that we're working with. When we work on a menu, our designers and our writers write to that menu, to that brand. They do a lot of research. They do a lot of backstories. They look at the product. They look at the, uh, the restaurant. They figure out what's the feel, what's the look, what should it be. If a photograph is introduced, they're going to do it right. Um, so uh, I always say, look, don't worry about the photography. If we, if we suggest a photo works on your menu, just look at the layout first. You know, Hold on for a second and just let our, our designers do their magic. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about graphics versus just text on a page, depending on a concept. Yeah, and so, branding and how all that goes together. Because I've been to lots of upscale places that just kill it, and you've got a single page menu with a really elegant font, and it's simply a you know uh, a taupe or a Manila sheet of paper with a black text across it with the prices with no dollar signs, and that's elegant, simplistic but no graphics. You know, you don't really get a brand out of a no graphic menu. Do you suggest that graphics really bring a brand to life? I mean, or do single page text only menus work in some cases? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, do they work? Okay. That's a different question. <clears throat> Most upscale restaurants are going to have really good servers who have memorized the menu mm -hmm. and could probably recite the menu. They probably don't even need a menu in a lot of cases. I mean, they do because the patron needs to sit and look at the menu. Now, those servers are also probably dressed pretty well. They usually have a vest on, they've got a tie, they've got something really nice in their hair, they're really dressed well, they look good, right? And then they, they hand you this sheet of paper that looks like they printed it uh, in their basement, right? 
and it's it might look elegant. Maybe it's got a nice font, but it's just a bunch of copy on a page. Correct. What the hell? Their servers look good. The restaurant looks good. The menu, does it look good? Nah, not really. Why not have the menu look good also? I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. Now, a lot of upscale restaurants will go, yeah, well, that's not me. I don't want to do that. I, you know, I, I, I know what I'm doing. I, I don't need that help. Well, actually, you do. Do graphics work? Yes. Do graphics from, uh, let's say, TGI Fridays work in an upscale restaurant? No, it would not work there. But elegant graphics? Yes, they do. Adding a little splash or a little color, highlighting certain items, calling attention to them, all of those things work. You just have to be subtle. You don't scream it. You don't, don't put, this is very popular. Put something on there that, 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 that engages people. The other thing is when you write a menu like that, you want to write to women. Men typically know what they want when they go to a restaurant. They're going to look at the menu, especially an upscale menu. They're going to look at the menu. They're going to glance down until they find the thing they already re- knew they wanted, and that's what they're going to order. They don't really read the menu. Women do read the menu because they're much more conversational. So they're going to read the menu. They're going to look at it. They're going to get a mental picture of what's in the menu, what that thing is going to taste like. They're going to what it's going to look like. Those things are all really important. Now, <clears throat> the difference between men and women too is uh, women are going to go look over at their hubby and they're going to say, "Why don't you order this and order that? We'll share. We'll do all that." And the guy's thinking, "Why don't you order both? We'll take home what you don't want." But he wants to get laid maybe or whatever, so he goes, "Yeah, okay, let's do that." And then he's frustrated, right? So you write to women because women are going to control that whole experience, and you really want to write to them because they're going to pay attention to the menu. And uh, so you know, getting into the design, there's also the poetry that goes into it. We call it poetry here at Hot Operator because. We want to describe the product in a way that's going to make the customer want to buy that particular item. And, we, and when restaurant operators oftentimes say, well, I don't want to say that much or we're saying too much, you're saying enough to sell the product, right? So tell until you sell and then stop talking. That's what we usually do. Does that all make sense to you? So adding graphics yeah. to an upscale yeah. menu? Absolutely. Downscale menu? Absolutely. Uh, put graphics in it, make it fit the restaurant. So when the patron sits down, they hold the menu, they look at it and they go, this is really nice. And what we want them to think is, I'll bet the food's going to be really good here. If I can make you think that before the food gets there, you're more likely to like the product. You're more likely to, to thank the person who's there. You're less likely to complain. You're more likely to talk about it. Let me ask you a question, Mark, a new menu cost or investment? It's an investment, baby. Right. I mean, if you look at it as a cost, yeah, buy something online, and you know. But I had this happen the other day. I just had somebody a couple of days ago call me, and they're they're in um, uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and she said, uh, "I got to do something with my menu." And I said, "Why is that?" She goes, "Well, I, I bought one of those online menus, and I I go into Denver, and there's a restaurant that's got my menu. It looks exactly the same as mine." I'm like, "Oh crap!" Yeah, she goes, "I got her template." Yeah, and she goes, I get a lot of customers from Denver, so you know we're only an hour and a half away from there. She goes, this is horrible. I can't, I can't have that. Think about it. You get what you what? pay for, Mark. You get what you it, pay for. It's true. If you're going to invest, it's going to make you more money. And I always say this too when customers they'll ask me how much is a menu, you know, and I'll say, well, it depends on the menu and all that. Uh, the fact is. Um, I always ask them if they want to save money because I'll say, well, can I get a discount or that? And I'm like, well, how much less do you want to make? Because that's essentially what you're saying. You, you know, you can you can get a menu for 50 bucks. You can do that online. But you're going to wind up with a price list. It's going to be a piece of garbage on the menu, and you're going to make less money. So how much of your kids uh, – how much of your kid's college fund do you want to, for, you know, to forego because you got a cheaper menu? 
<laughs> That's the question you got to ask. You just got to shake your head. Yeah, I mean, operators tend to be really cost conscious, but it's where you put your dollars that are going to have the biggest impact on your business. And again, let's go back to the menu being a major marketing piece that touches every single customer that comes into your restaurant. It's either making you money, losing your money, or you're spinning your wheels, right? Right. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> exactly right. Let's talk about... Uh, Let's talk about from initial consultation to finished product, what the steps would be, the timing of the delivery, uh, how much time is involved in working with an operator to really get into their head, get into the brand, and really get something that's on strategy, that's really powerful, dynamic, increased sales and profits, all that, the whole process. How much time yeah. are we looking at? And, and walk us through working with a new client to deliver a powerful menu. Okay. So we, we look at it like uh, going into recovery, right? You're going into your menu. You want to look at your menu. We're going to go to recovery. It's usually 28 days by the time we get done. So just under a month. Okay. And the reason That's it takes reasonable. that long is because what will happen is we'll go through the menu matrix with you. So we'll go through the stars, puzzles, workhorses, and dogs. And we're going to make recommendations. Typically, those recommendations are for products that we think will work on your menu that we know have worked elsewhere, but also items that are going to enhance your menu and going to sort of fill it out, you know, so you're going to have items on your menu that are going to make a higher profit. But there are also things we're going to say, look, we recommend that you have a product on your menu that's at about this price point. So we might look at your menu and say, you really need something in the $35 range. We recommend something like this. We expect you then to go and work that particular product out. That takes time. So it might take you a week or two. And what we also say is, look, don't just put something on the menu that you've not tried and tested. So make the product, put it on the menu, but offer it through your servers as a feature during that week. You know, it's just a chef's feature. This is a new product that we're trying out. We want to see if you like it. Put it on the, you know, put it uh, in the restaurant for a week or two. See how it goes. So try some of those things. Try new appetizers. Try new entrees. Try new sandwiches. Those kinds of things. Just see if they work. So that takes time. That's why it takes a little bit. Then what we do, the next step is after the matrix is done, we got all those items, we know what we're doing, we'll be writing the menu and starting the graphic process. The graphic process typically um, is we'll send you three or four different styles and designs and say these are some directions we think might work for you. We get your input so we know that this is the direction you want to go. Uh, we're also writing the menu. So we're actually writing the poetry and we're putting the text together. That's the starting point. We need your feedback on that. And then we're also strategically pricing the menu at the same time. So we're saying this is a price point we think we should we can go to with that particular item. Does that make sense to you? Sure. Okay. And then when that's done, when you pick the style and the text is all done, then the editing part starts. And that's when we start to put the full and final menu together. That's where everything goes together and all the pieces are laid out. Once you get that, you take a look at it. There's final input from you. Once that's ready, we go into production. Now, a lot of times we do the production here for our menus. So we print, collate, do all that for the restaurant operator. That way we know it's going to be right. You can do it yourself. You can go to a penny printer or whatever, one of those places. But I can't guarantee what it's going to look like. The better the menu looks when it gets to the table, the nicer it looks, the more money you're going to make. Make sense? Sure. So you're printing menus, not just designing them. How about sleeves? I mean, you're providing sleeves or recommending you do all yeah. of that. Okay. We do. We would prefer to do the entire menu yeah. start to finish here yeah. because then when it goes out of our office, uh, you get the menu. It's perfect. Turnkey, it, it ready is, to go. Put it in front of a customer. Bang. Yeah. You get it. You open the box. and You're like, oh, crap. This is great. You punch everything into the point of service system and you talk to your servers. You have meetings with them. Uh, my recommendation when you get the menu is uh, when the menu hits the tables, 
Every highlighted item you sell today, I'm going to give you 50 cents. That would, that's what I would do. I would bonus my servers. Nice. So every highlighted item on the menu that you sell this week, I'm going to give you 50 cents tip for every time you sell it. Now, that you're going to make an extra two, three bucks on every item that I've highlighted. So you've got the money. That's extra money. That's all incremental cash that's going to the bank. Yeah. You can share it with your server. Nice. If you do that, servers are coin operating, right? Mm. Stop paying them. See how long they show up, right? They're going to stop coming. It's not like a government worker where they have to show up. These true. are people who show up because you're paying them. If you give them an extra 50 cents, watch what happens to those desserts and watch, watch what happens to those highlighted items. They're going to sell like crazy because they're going to offer them. And all they got to do is say it once, right, and point to it. But the highlights are going to work a lot better that way, and you're going to make a lot more money as a restaurant operator. So that menu should look great when it goes on the tables. It should look fantastic. The other thing you need to do is update your menu. Do it four times a year with the seasons at least. When things change, a lot of restaurant operators, they'll keep their menu for a year or two years or three years. And I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing? The world is changing. You know, your prices are fluctuating. You mm -hmm. can't be profitable if your prices are going up and you're not keeping pace with it. The other thing that happens a lot of times is we'll see restaurant operators come to us after they've waited for two, three years and they haven't upgraded their menu and they haven't done any work on it. And now I'm looking at it and going, holy crap, I, you know, I, we're going to have to do this in stages because you can't take the kind of price increase you need to recover your business right all at once you'll freak everybody out they'll come in they'll get shell shocked and they'll never come back so you know we, if you don't stick with it change a few things here and there that's one of the reasons you know you know a menu needs to be a living breathing document you've got to keep up with it does that make sense to you do you understand what i'm saying yeah does size okay. matter <laughs> it does it has a huge impact what you want is a menu that can hold what it is you're selling so like if you're in a Greek family restaurant, it needs to be a book, you know, eight, ten pages because they sell everything to everybody. I don't know why they do that. It's hysterically funny. But they got liver and onions. It's the only place you can get it is in Chicago, right, at these uh, family restaurants. But it needs to fit the restaurant. Uh, we can work with any size. A lot of 11 by 17s out there these days, people like that front to back kind of thing. And I, and I have no problem with that. We can engineer a menu like that one and make it work. Um, the cafe covers I like better than laminated. Laminated menus, what we've noticed is – uh, the restaurant operators makes about 2% less profit when they use a laminated menu. So I go away from those. So I noticed like um, I was in an Applebee's. I had to go to an Applebee's the other day and they're using a laminated menu now. I don't recommend that for them. Uh, if it were me and I were their marketing guys, I would be like, no, we're going to get menu covers. And, you know, uh, P.F. Chang's did the same thing. Now they're bitching about not making enough money. And part of it is the menu. You know, you get this springboard laminated piece of crap on the menu and you just don't want to spend money. You know, you look at that yeah. and you're like, I'm, now I'm in Denny's again. You know, I'm right, doing the two for two, right? right? Um, in Denny's, it's fine. I have no problem with Denny's doing that. I have no problem with Perkins doing that. But I do have a problem if you're a little more upscale doing something like that. Use a cafe menu cover. They're much better. You'll make more money. Consumers are actually uh, – you're telling the consumer – when you put the menu on the table, you're telling the consumer what to expect in the restaurant. And if you put a laminated card or something on the menu – uh, it's not going to work as well. I like uh, – there are some really interesting papers we use that are really cool. Um, some plastics. Uh, there's some uh, real interesting things that we do uh, with printing and that sort of thing that can make a menu really look cool. We just did an heirloom menu, by the way, for a restaurant operator in uh, New Orleans uh, called Parkway Tavern. Um, they sell um, uh, poor boys. And we did a uh, souvenir menu for them. It's a really cute little illustrated menu. It's paper. It's got a nice shape to it. 
And uh, it's it's uh, to give away that he wants people to take it with him because he's got so many people to travel and all that sort of thing. So it's like a cross between a carryout menu and a regular menu. It's kind of a little bigger, um, really cool graphics on it and all that sort of thing. And he's having a ball with it. People are taking it as a souvenir and uh, they take it home and they share it with people. They're like, did you see this is really cool? That's the kind of thing that you want to do in your restaurant if you're, you know, um, if you want to call attention to your restaurant. You need people to talk about you, man. Great buzz. I'm all about that. And multiple profit centers, you can't have too many, many in a restaurant. You know, everything from retail merchandise to live music and events to special promotions that happen all the time. Do you recommend that uh, restaurants put those things on a menu as well, or should it always be separated from the food and the drink? Yeah, I do. Uh, the only thing is, is um, like with the drinks and those kinds of things, I recommend a separate menu for that only because mm -hmm. people order drinks throughout their meal and right. once the menu is gone, they can't. Mm -hmm. uh, I might make a nod to those things, but I'll think, think table talkers and other kind of event posters and those sorts of things are also important because um, we, you know, you want to do what uh, Coca-Cola used to call 360-degree marketing. In your restaurant, every wall, every Every area of the menu, the servers, the people, everything should be promoting the business. Definitely. Right? Internal marketing. Yeah. It's the most effective, cost-effective form of marketing. And training yeah. your staff to make the suggestions we know the guests will enjoy and appreciate. Exactly. Awesome. That's exactly right. Have we missed anything, Mark? We've been all over the place, but what a powerful episode on the you know the ins and outs of everything you need to do to design a super profitable menu. I mean, what yeah. have we missed? What we've missed is... Now that you've listened to this, you're going to think, oh, I can do that. Yeah, okay. Well, try it a few times if you want to, but get professional help. Leave it Seriously. to the experts, right? So I would. How can uh, – okay, so your URL is hotoperator.com, right? That's right. Why yeah. don't we talk about social media handles? How can other uh, – you know, our listening audience find you? Sure. So we have a Facebook page, of course. Um, that's uh, Facebook forward slash hotoperator. Um, hotoperator.com is our website. You can go there. I'm on Twitter, Mark, uh, Mark Hotop, I think is what it is on okay. Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and I do tweet a little bit once in a while. Best thing to do is just give me a call or email me, Mark at hotoperator.com or call 920-420-2076. Reach out. Well, uh, the first consultation is free. I'll walk through your menu with you. We'll talk about it and uh, see if it's a good fit. If it's not a good fit, I'll tell you. You know, um, The other thing I didn't point out is we also develop menus that you can actually work on yourself. So in other words, it's a custom menu that we develop. We set it up on, uh, we use a thing called Google Drawings. Mm -hmm. So we set up as a Google Drawing and you can go in and you can make changes to it all you want to. Chefs absolutely love those because if they, they change up their menus every week, they put it. They change out the steak, or they change out a flavor. They do those kinds of things. They can just go in, uh, do a save as, and type away. And so we actually do customized menus that are set up. These are not the same thing that you buy online for fifty bucks. These are actually full custom, full blown engineered menus that you can't screw up if you follow the directions we give you. Make sense? Yes, sir. Listen, uh, uh, this is a shameless plug for you, and you're not paying me to say this, but we had a great working relationship for many, many years before I sold my restaurants. But what you did for us really really worked so if you're looking for a new menu i can totally endorse hotoperator.com and i'm really glad you were a guest today mark we learned a lot and uh, i appreciate you being a guest on on the show hey thanks roger hey and, and in the future if you want to uh, we also do a lot of social media mm -hmm. for restaurants so we could Good do a, yeah we could do a program on how to market in social media and actually connect the dots I would like to do that yeah we yeah. need to put uh you know a show together on social media i'll schedule another date with you 
All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Roger. Take care. Thank you. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. I appreciate you listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. Guys, thanks for listening to this latest episode. Listen, once you design an all-new menu for maximum profit, don't leave it to chance. Take the next step and do yourself another favor. Check out my front of house staff training system called Sales Stars. It's proven not only to deliver amazing guest service experiences, but to double and even triple check averages. Also, it reduces turnover in your restaurant and creates a real culture of what I call hospitality, family, and fun. Sales Stars is a true game changer. Go to restaurantsalesstars.com and check it out. And I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. And while you're there, download a copy of the book, Rock Your Restaurant. It's a game changer. See you next time.